Welcome to the Wildlife Experience. This is your host, Andrew Austin. If you guys are enjoying y'all summer, um, I've been uh, enjoying mine for sure. I guess I guess we're in uh, late spring, early summer stage here, but um, spring has been great to me. Been doing a lot of fishing and herping and botanizing and um, generally having a good time building some duck calls and uh, I have neglected record uh, editing podcasts lately. I have about eight saved up from the hunt fish podcast still and uh finally got around to editing um the next one and uh for this one i interviewed cat hunter uh cat is someone that um she considers herself a late onset hunter um she went through the women hunt program uh which is a really cool program that she'll talk all about it's basically a program to get um uh women um an opportunity to learn all there is to know about hunting and conservation and um for, for it's especially good for people that don't have good mentorship or don't really have any avenue to get into the outdoors and um as i've talked about um on this podcast before it's um for, for certain people getting into certain things there are certain challenges and uh that is true for women getting into hunting especially um, you know, women that didn't grow up in a hunting family and they just kind of came across it later on in life, you know, it's, um, uh, it's difficult for really anybody to get into. There's so much gear and there's so much to know and there's all the regulations and there's firearms and there's, uh, you know, wildlife and there's all these aspects that go into hunting. And, uh, she kind of goes through her experiences as a late onset hunter and going through the women hunt program, which was so valuable to her. And uh, has led to uh, her getting into conservation and, and and really fostering a passion for for wildlife and the outdoors. And uh, so yeah, it was really great talking to Cat. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna end it there and uh, get right into it. So now I bring you Cat Hunter. We're at the Huntfish Podcast Summit. It's your first year attending. It is. Um, you're here on behalf of Women Hunt. Correct. Yeah, and we're going to talk all about that. Um, before we dive into all that, um, tell us where you're from in the world. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. And more specifically, um, Katie, Katie, Texas, right? Katie, yeah. correct. Which is, um, there's a whole lot to say about Katie. Great city, but um, ever-expanding, for better or for worse. Busting at the seams, <laughs> correct. Um, the great prairies and rice fields are slipping away very yep. quickly. Sadly. But, um, you know. Just part of life, frankly. Uh, so yeah, you, from Katie, um, you get into the outdoors at some point in your life. Is that a, early or later on? I've always enjoyed being outside. We right. were we'd go camping. My grandparents took us on vacations to Colorado and all through the United States. We'd go fishing down in Galveston. Um, so I've always enjoyed outdoors, but hunting mm -hmm. wasn't something that I grew up around. Mm -hmm. So I find myself late thirties with an opportunity to work for an outfitter and learn everything about hunting started off running social media, ended up trailing on hunts and photographing and videoing and getting to experience it. And it really hit me that it was something I was very passionate about. Yeah. Got to experience, uh, the Texas Bighorn society work projects, which was a great conservation effort for the sheep in um, West Texas and fell in love with it. So your initial experiences outdoors were like just hi like hiking and stuff. Hiking, camping, going yeah. to the beach. 
which playing is also, in the seaweed. Which is great, but it's it's not connecting to you as much. Not as much. For, for a lot, I mean, which some people find a lot of connection in that, but yeah, when, when you actually um, get into like the consumptive use side of wildlife, it's a lot different, right? Like when you harvest your first animal. Incredible feeling. Yep. Yeah. I just had the opportunity to harvest my first December. Wow. That's... Through the Lone Star Outdoor News Foundation. Okay. So you're, you got some experiences with hunting, but um, you didn't actually get to harvest anything until fairly recently. Correct. All right. Correct. How did you, um, tell me about the, uh, the outfitter. Thing. So the outfitter I worked for, um, did a lot of exotic hunting in Texas, did a lot of Audad in West Texas, mm-hmm. mule deer. Um, so before that, I didn't know what an Audad was. Right. I didn't know the difference between a mule deer and a whitetail. So I learned hands-on in the field so much about hunting and it really sparked an interest in me. Um, it intimidated me at the same time because I feel it was so male dominated, didn't know mm. how I would fit in or how I could do it or how I could make it on my own. But by lucky chance, I filled out the application for the women hunt program and was selected, attended, um, precision training course and went through their new women hunter program, uh, October of 22. Mm. And that really, set the fire for me yeah that's one thing um you know renee was here last year and uh i've recorded with her but in fact i didn't actually record <laughs> so it was just a great conversation that right. only her and i got to share but it was um it was really cool to talk to her um about her experiences and very similar to how you've gotten into it but lucky for you she has laid this path out to where you know you can get into the hunting industry get into hunting in general um in a, in a way that cuts through those barriers because she just like was winging it and just she's going out hunting and she's telling about telling me stories about how like you know, it's hard to find a hunting mentor because like you know being a woman like like in a male-dominated thing yeah. and you're out in the wilderness alone and like maybe you know you, this guy that might be your mentor has like a wife and she doesn't makes difficult rather yeah for, and for, she uh, was she was a late onset hunter as well and, and later in life yeah and without her tenacity to go out and do this, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't right. have had this opportunity. Um, and what I love about it is it's not just about hunting. Yeah, they it's, went it's wildlife and conservation. They, and we did a deep dive into the uh, North American model of wildlife conservation. Mm-hmm. They set us up with mentors. So they really, it, it's not just hunting. It's so much more. It's right. getting in touch. It's uh, paying it forward. That's a, that's part of our, when we agreed to do the program, if they were going to put us through that, we were going to give back. So 12 women from all over North America, two, three were from Canada this year. The rest were from uh, the States, all walks of life, all ages. I think you're friends with Brooke. Yep. She's in her 20s mm-hmm. working for her college degree. We had uh, one lady that was about to turn 60. So the way that we give back looks a lot different, whether it's talking or speaking right. or hands-on projects. Um, I know we were talking a little bit before that I – had the chance to go on three um, work projects with Texas Bighorn Society to build guzzlers and being able to give back hands-on, seeing the terrain, seeing what you're doing, such a cool experience. Yeah. And that I wouldn't have had that opportunity had it not been for hunting or right. the connections I've made. That's something that um, a lot of people don't realize, people that aren't connected to hunting at all. And, you know, there's unfortunately a big anti-hunting crowd right. um, in modern society. And, um, you know, in this one thing that I really like to talk about on here is, um, trying to get 
people that are unsure or possibly just completely against hunting, helping them understand how much value there is in um, connecting to wildlife through hunting. And what a big role it plays. And the role in the North American model. Um, it's really straightforward, really. <laughs> but it's it's just, and, you know, this is the sort of stuff I'll talk about all the time, and I'll keep talking about it, is, you know, um, people, you know, they find it odd that we can, we want to kill something that we love. Right. You know, that's, and it's, it is kind of Contradictory. Yeah, yeah, but, um, you know, we're part of nature. Yep. We are part of natural world, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. And, um, you know, the early primitive cultures of the world, they were like, we still have some of that in us. Like yeah. the, 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 the primal instinct to get out and to connect with our environment by harvesting game and eating it. It's incredible. I agree. <laughs> and, and bringing people to be aware of it, I think is so important because you hear about the disconnect between younger generations and nature there ask them where their food comes from and they'll say the grocery store mm-hmm. there's just no connection with nature people are spending a lot of time on electronics and mm. don't want to take the time to do this or what have you but hunting plays a big part in conserving not just the wildlife but habitat entire ecosystems right you know, or yep benefit from hunting um and it's it is not only just the ultimate way and uh, I mean, there's many ways you can interact with the natural world. There's mm-hmm. birding, and there's mm-hmm. um, you know, there's people that go out. There's fishing. There's uh, people that like reptiles and all like uh, insects, and like just going out to take pictures and all this stuff. And it's all wonderful. Um, and uh, in fact, you know, I'm a part of all those communities as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Brooke through the wildlife biology community because I also studied biology, and um, I encourage you know I encourage a lot of my hunting peers to to like go birding someday right and and, and explore the other ways you can interact right. with the natural world and turns out some people just aren't cut out for birding <laughs> it's rather boring for a lot of people but, but there are so many choices a, and things that but, you could be involved in right. and do and see right. and experience and or even when you're out hunting to uh, appreciate the, the whole experience not just the to me hunting the least interesting part is the part where you kill the animal right and right like i agree that's all people think about people like non-hunters that's all they, they think like um, a bunch of just like bloodthirsty decked animals. out in camo and <laughs> army gear and looking tough and rowdy like mm-hmm. just want to go shoot shit right you know and uh you know a lot of hunters go through the shoot shit stage when i was a kid i was a shoot shit sure sure know, just the nature of growing up in rural texas but um you you know grew up in acquire some decent ethics around wildlife yep. but um but no like the, the 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 hunting experience um like you're out there and you know for me um a lot of my sense of self and my connection to the world is connected to the ecosystems around me and so like when i go out and like hunt ducks and i eat the ducks i'm like connected to that ecosystem right you know right. I, I don't know if you've experienced like i've not been duck hunting is that something you want to do it seems very wet it's and still. It's a lot of water. Yeah. You gotta have, um, you know, I've never been much of a gear head, but good gear matters when yeah. you're out there. It's a very unforgiving environment. Cold I, and wet. I could see that. Mosquitoes, um, snakes, which I love snakes, but you know, a lot of people don't like that aspect of duck hunting. Um, I'll try it. 
I'm down to try anything. Right. Your you know? introduction to hunting is big game, right? It was. Yep. Yeah. And you, yep. you harvested it. What was your first animal? A whitetail. Whitetail. Mm-hmm. Buck, doe. It was a buck. Buck. Yep. How big? I did not measure it. This is like six point, eight point. Eight point. Eight point. Mm-hmm. A nice classic, mature whitetail. Was that in um, was that out west or central Texas? It was or? central Texas. Central Texas. Yep. Nice. That was after the women hunt. That was program? after the women hunt. Okay. Yep. Because y'all do a hunt. We do. We that, hunt right? while we're on the ranch. They give us the opportunity um, at does. Okay. Um, Tough hunting out there, I'm assuming. T- uh, yeah, yeah. Did it anybody was. shoot an animal? We had one harvest. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. But talk about having right gear. We were on the range. We do a lot of range training. We were on the range four hours one day. I had a tank top, shorts. You know, we're laying prone. I'm getting sunburned. That night when we go out for our hunt, it's probably 35. Winds are gusting. Rain's coming in. No gloves. Oh. It, it was very uncomfortable, yeah. but gear. keeps you honest, you know, Yeah. sometimes it's good to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's something I learned as a beginner really quick. That good <laughs> gear would, would matter and take some gloves. Yeah. I prefer to be comfortable more than not. But, uh, in the times when I'm one thing about duck hunting too, is, you know, you're riding in a boat, you know, across a marsh and it's like, maybe it's raining and it's cold and like, and then when you're going in a boat, it's even cold. Everything's yeah, more intense, colder. you know, colder, the rain's hitting you and like you're miserable. But then you just, you know, like the next day when you're comfortable, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, I'm so glad I'm comfortable now. Yeah. Like it, it like makes you appreciate comfort more. So you know? talk, playing on that connection with nature, if you've ever sat outside waiting for sunrise in the wilderness, it is not quiet. There's so much noise going on and oh, you yeah. would never hear that. Growing up in Houston, it's I hear city lights. Sirens and, and cars driving by. Correct. Yeah. So it's incredible just being able to experience that. And if you're not out birding or photographing right. or hunting or you're not experiencing that, you're, yeah. you're missing like a whole aspect. Yeah. And there's a lot of concern around mental health in our country. And, uh, and I'm not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about it. I know I suffer my own issues like many people, but I think what, uh, helps rectify that issue for me is spending a lot of time in nature. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would benefit from that because when you're on your phone and like I get the freaking, I get that notification every Sunday. I don't know if you have an iPhone, but it says I've been on, I averaged six hours a day last week. Oh God, week. and you're I'm like, like That's how? Well. how the hell did I do that? Yeah. But um, Last night, Chester Moore from Higher Calling yeah. Wildlife, he gave a speech. He was talking about how the, one of the fastest growing suicide rates is among like 11 to 17 year olds. That blew my mind. Yeah. You know what an easy fix is? Like you said, connection with nature, getting them out. And I think that is, that's one of the great things about hunting or conservation or fishing is being able to take someone that maybe wouldn't have that opportunity, take them out with you. Right. I, so important. Right. Uh, yeah. Once you get to a place where you're comfortable and you've um, got some experience, it's very important to uh, try to be a mentor yeah. wherever, wherever you can. Yep. To young people. Um, you know, you know, for me, it, um, I try to like people that generally don't have access to hunting. I try my best to try to give them that. Yeah. Um, and then that's, you know, back to the woman hunt program. That's like, the big thing with it is. It is a big thing. Giving back and mentorship are two of, mm-hmm. two of the things that they are really strong about. You know, right. we had such great sponsors that, that put this on and gave us this opportunity. And as long as we can focus on giving back and, Passing it on. Passing it on. I think that's so important. Yeah. More than 
the trophy on the wall. And that led you here to the Hunt Fish. It did, which is freaking incredible. Yeah. So let's let's hype up the Women Hunt program. Like, walk us through the experiences or the highlights. Anything you want to talk about with Women Hunt? So first of all, the application process is eight or ten in-depth questions that require you to really answer. It's not like uh, I do this and I'm this. It they want in-depth feelings on conservation and hunting and why you want to do this. And they, the less experience you have, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, I had had some experience with rifle hunting, but didn't grow up hunting or around firearms. So I was very intimidated. Not a problem. Firearms are very intimidating. They are very intimidating. Even me as a very experienced hunter. uh, I've never been big into guns. Like I just use them as a tool. So like if if I go out like shooting skeet with my buddies or like, like go to a gun range, I'm always like, a little like I'm a little um, less comfortable than the people around me. Right. You know? Right. Um, and it's just weird. And maybe I, just, I don't know as much about firearms as I should. I feel like for someone that's been hunting my whole life. Right. Anyhow, just giving you Insight. The, the fears of like that are the, the concerns you might have, like it's shared across a lot of people, even people that have been in the hunting industry, for which would time. make someone intimidated to even think about signing up or trying to make be selected better. for the yeah. program. But they work with FTW Ranch, which is in the Uh hill country in Texas. They do. We did a Sam trainer. Um, We were we had four days with them. The first day we went out on the range. So uncomfortable. My palms were sweaty. My hands were shaking. Didn't know how to hold the rifle. They said, "Okay, put load your gun. Don't put it in the chamber. I was like, how do you do that? (laughs) You know, like intimidated. Day two. The way I felt confident knowing what to do, how to do it, was incredible. We're working with retired special ops guys, and they're trained. They know their shit. (laughs) They know it. They know it. Um, So they go through that, but they don't stop with just precision training. You know, their big motto is, "You only have one first shot." Um, So you want to be good, and Mm -hmm. they're good at teaching you. But then they take you um, game identification, blood trailing in the field. They teach you how to um, field dress it, cape it. Then we work with a chef who teaches us how to cut it down, process it. Recipes beyond chili and jerky. (laughs) So it's like an all intense kind of course. And then we have lots of classroom time talking about the North American conservation model. Um, And then they pair you with a mentor. So it was four days. They said it's going to be like a fire hose straight to your face. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) It really was intense. Yeah. But the way that everything came together was phenomenal. Right. What was your favorite part of the experience? So- it was, maybe not a favorite part, but favorite emotion was going out day two with that confidence. Right. I have the never... empowering feeling. Of- it was so empowering. I, w- I was very intimidated, very skittish, and feeling that shift, I was like... Heck yeah, I got this. I know what to do. Like, and I feel confident enough that now I could take the skills I have learned and and pass them down to my 12 year old because she is an outdoor fanatic. Oh, that's awesome. Would be outside all the time doing stuff if she could. But now I feel comfortable teaching her how to hunt, you know? So that's one of my, that would probably be my biggest takeaway from that. Right. Yeah. The paying it forward. That's such a, great opportunity and you know like going through that program that gives you the confidence in the the foundational stuff now it's a matter of getting out there and just getting right after it right and that you was a very experience very... in the field you, 
you just pick up on things in nature, even just being a better observer of nature. Yes. That happens over time. Yes. You know. Yep. And 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 getting out and creating memories. Memories. And people you care about in the outdoors. Yeah. And networking with people that are like minded yeah. and you know, I don't fly fish, but there's lots of people who fly fish here right. at the summit <laughs> and I am eager to learn everything there is to learn about that. Yeah. Like same. I am hungry for all the knowledge and I just, I want to save everything. I want to learn everything. I want to conserve. So it's a, it, I'm finding a lot, myself yeah. to be in a really cool place yeah. in my forties. And that's, you know, it was, it must've felt, um, I mean, perhaps you were happy before, but this gives you something like, like a lot of purpose, you know, it, it does of, something to focus on and something to do. It's a hobby, but it's also, a very passionate pursuit. It's something, you know, um, one thing I preach is if you're a hunter, you're a conservationist first, hunter second. Correct. And when you go through it that way, it, it helps you appreciate the resources more. It, it guides you more in your ethics and just makes hunting more purposeful. Because a, a lot of people are spoiled in the fact that they just grew up hunting and it's just like whatever yeah, they just, yeah. you know, the family has a deer lease they've been going there their whole life I'm like man I'm jealous just go out there and pull a trigger and like they you know they eat you know deer chili and like and, and that's really fantastic that, that that culture exists even but a lot of people take it for granted and they don't yeah. actually even think about conservation right just because the environment they grew up in uh, so I think it's I, really important to you know. funny you mentioned that I have a friend um, we went to high school together we're friends on Facebook and he's been seeing my post about, you know, conservation efforts in this mm. podcast summit. And, you know, I posted something about the Texas Bighorn work project because it was a memory. I missed the last two years. Uh, and he said, I've been guiding hunts and I work on a ranch and I do this and I haven't even thought about the conservation side. And I said, tell me what you're interested <laughs> in. I will do the homework. I will yeah. give you links and show you where to go and we can learn together because there is so much more than what you're doing in your little bubble. Right. Yeah. So Shooting. I thought that it made me feel kind of good knowing like yeah. someone's paying attention and seeing it. And even when I, I help one person move into the conservation side of things, right. doing something good. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, it, it's beyond, Oh, I went out and harvested a whitetail and have my freezer full or yeah. beautiful mountain wall. It's way more than that. Yeah. Which that, that's great. If you're hunting and you're doing it legally and sustainably, you're contributing to conservation just right. by the nature of how our, of, conservation financial structure works but um in the north american model mm -hmm. but um um i mean if you if you really are passionate about hunting and fishing like you should be interested in ways you can contribute to conserving the resources you love right for future generations and just for um you know there's different ways to think about conservation there's conserving the game species so we can continue to harvest them right i like to think about conservation from a more ecosystem level aspect, like conserving wildlife is like good for the wildlife themselves, but it's also good for just, um, the entire system, which we rely on mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. humans, like clean air and clean water come from healthy ecosystems, right? There's all these ecosystem services. And, um, you know, I, I try to encourage people not to be so narrow on what they think about, you know, like for some people, conservation to them is, um, and not to get too in the weeds on this stuff, but, conservation to them is like uh putting up a deer feeder and feeding whitetail mm -hmm. like frankly i don't give a shit about whitetail mm -hmm. there's so many mm -hmm. whitetail um i do care about them they're a native species but they're very abundant yeah like that's not that's not really like uh super impactful 
No. Know, like we should be um, very concerned about desert bighorn sheep and uh, species like that that really they they really deserve our attention. Yes. If we want to keep them around, like the whitetail, we have too many. There's probably more whitetail now than there's ever been naturally, and that's why hunting is you know, very important for them. Um, even for the whitetail themselves, you know, like if they become overpopulated, that's has its own issues. Yep. It's a delicate um, so balance. Yeah. There's all these like nuances in conservation. Yeah. But Speaking of sheep, I got to attend my first sheep show this year. Super cool. Which phenomenal. Just to be, the expo was great. Getting to yeah. talk to all kinds of people. We had a booth for women hunt and I got to meet people and shake hands and tell my story. And it was really cool. Um, but then when it came to banquet nights and um, fundraising, the amount of people in a room that are so passionate about wild sheep and keeping sheep and putting sheep on mm-hmm. the mountain blows my mind, blows my mind. That's and they're sweet. not, af- they're That's not afraid to do it through the wild sheep foundation, through the wild sheep foundation was their sheep show, their big yeah. annual show. That's, that's a species that has inspired a huge conservation effort. Right. I guess they're just so majestic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you aspire to, I guess you must aspire to harvest a sheep someday. I joined the less than one club yeah. in hopes of it. Yeah. <laughs> So they raffle really? off four sheep hunts. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. If you're part of the Lesson One Club, there's this big party. They do four raffles. Yeah, never know. What are the odds? I, don't know. I mean, not great, but, but still, I have hope. <laughs> Gotta have hope. Yeah. Um, what are some of your goals aside from you know harvesting a sheep? What are some of your goals as a hunter and a conservationist? I just want to pay it forward and pass it on. Yeah. Um, I've talked to talk to Chester. Chester's the one that invited mm-hmm. me here. Um, he has an, um, a foundation that he works with children yeah. who may not ever be in wildlife. And yeah. I want to help him. I yeah. want to work with him. I want to, he's a great mentor. He, he's one of my mentors. Great mentor. Chester and I actually grew up in the same area. And oh. uh, when I was like in, I was a teenager, he would mentor me through social media. And, Wild. Yeah. And Small then he, world. He, invited, he invited me here last year. Okay. Nice. He's, he's yeah. always been somehow in my, my space. We always end up hanging out with each other. Yeah. Um, that's great that you're connected with Chester's fantastic. Yeah. Faith Very and family well and passing it on. And mm-hmm. there are more people that, that need people like Chester. Yeah. Yeah. His, his work is, um, it's very impactful. And I always try to, if any opportunity arises where I can be involved with Chester's work, I try to, cause it's, yep. it's good stuff. I already told him, I said, if you need something and you need a woman, extra hands, right. eyes, I'm there. Count me in. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, um, that, you know, I guess part of the goal for Renee with Women Hunt is not only to mentor, you know, women that want to get into the outdoors, but creating, le- you know, leaders mm-hmm. for other women and paying it forward, like you're saying. Right. But, um, the truth is, and I've you know, maybe already mentioned this, but getting into hunting for anybody, uh, especially people that grew up in the city, is intimidating. And you just add on layers of complication if you're a woman. Yeah. Just right. simple reality. I mean, just what it is what it is. Um, so like with women hunt, um, it is such a cool opportunity to, to get more people and everybody should be interested in getting as many people as in, involved with hunting and conservation mm-hmm. as possible, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I don't think, uh, frankly, not enough men in the hunting industry think about these things. And that's why I'm glad we're talking about it now. Is, right. Um, um, I mean, I, I have friends, or, you know, friends, I know people that like, they think it's weird to go hunt with a woman, you know, like a. It's just like, it's not the norm. Right. It's not but the norm. The norms are bullshit. <laughs> I agree. You know, That's the best thing I heard all day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I've, you know, had, um, I've, my podcast, I've, 
it's about even split. And I don't do that intentionally. I'm just surrounded by great women in the outdoors women, in my yeah. life. Um, it's always great to have these conversations because, um, you know, I didn't really think about it until I started hanging around, like going through college and like in the wildlife field, you know, I've been very lucky to multiple mentors were women. And uh, some of my great friends are women in the outdoor industry. And uh, so it gets me thinking more. I'm like, man, I want to, I want to be friends with, with anybody and, and help anybody that's interested in the outdoors. They may not even who, know they're interested cares. yet. It doesn't matter where you're from in the world or who you are. Like, um, we should, we should be interested in, in getting as many people in the game, you know, Yeah. for the sake of wildlife, but also just, um, good for you it is you know, yep um, hunting is as we've been saying so uh you're so connected also like the health benefits like eating wild game is just good it is you know? it's very good for you and it's i'm scared it's to fun. know what's in foods nowadays i mean in the yeah. grocery store it, like it's fun to like and i'm not a great chef or anything but it's fun to like come up with different recipes and like is the culinary aspect pretty attractive to you very much hunting? so yeah and then that's more and more i feel like um as hunting, it, I think hunting is becoming more popular in communities, um, especially like urban, suburban type people that normally weren't interested in it are becoming interested from the culinary aspect or just sustainable food. Right, right. You know, which is great. Um, now, don't ask me to go grow all my vegan food because <laughs> right. I would fail miserably. Yeah, I've had, I've had vegans on my podcast and we discussed this, like what's more sustainable, like harvesting wild game or like the vegan diet and like i don't think i can be swayed on that i think if you're like taking all the variables into consideration if you ate a 100 percent wild game diet and uh like you know you have to eat some vegetable i guess unless you're a carnivore but um let's just say you're only eating wild game versus someone that only eats store-bought vegan food mm-hmm. um it, the diet that is promoting conservation the most and is the most sustainable is the wild game diet. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. By a long shot. The only caveat to that is not everybody, unfortunately not all 150 million people or whatever can do it. Right. It does come with some exclusion, unfortunately. Um, but maybe someday, we'll have, like in Texas, we need more public land. That's, that's something I'm really passionate about. Like there's not enough public land. 98% privately owned, right? Yeah, that's that's a... Luckily, we have a lot of great private land stewardship, but there's a lot of private landowners that also suck. Yeah, and, right. Uh, it just, um, you know, if you, if you own hundreds of acres or even uh, just dozens of acres, it comes with great responsibility to take care of the, the wildlife. Yeah. The wildlife is not your property. It's a shared public resource. It is. Per the North American model that us hunters came up with. And that model has gained lots of land yeah no exactly through mo- money and revenue revenue yep. and, um there's uh you know conservation is so complicated but you know if if you really just the bare minimum if you're listening like if you want to get into hunting just buying your hunting license yep. is contributing directly to state and federal wildlife agencies yep. buying directly guns direct contributes directly it's a state and federal wildlife conservation, yep. um, which is for some people that's like, they're like, wait, like buying guns is like, that's just something yeah, that what? we came up with the Pittman Robertson act. Yep. Um, if, if, uh, if we're going to be harvesting the wildlife, we need to be paying for it too, in some way. Um, that, that's one big argument for like, there's 
been some push for birders. There needs to be like a tax on like birding equipment or like uh, for like the non-consumptive yeah, users. Right. But the only difference is they're not they're not taking anything like we are. <laughs> right. So that's like the argument. I understand that because you know, but um, money is off, often the the main barrier to conserving more wildlife. But uh, the the way we do it now is very successful. Like um, just through license sales and permits and yeah. the excise taxes. Finding groups um, you're passionate about and your and, and organizations. Yep. Wild Sheep Foundation. Are there any other groups that you're interested in? Um, not that I have become yeah. a member of, but right. that's something I'm diving deeper into because, right. again, fire hose worth information straight to my face. <laughs> <laughs> Start with yeah. what I know or yeah. what I've learned so far and then kind of go down the rabbit hole because there's right. so many places you could go. I follow yeah. um, Stewards of the Wild. Yeah, yeah Stewards of the Wild. They yeah, the Texas chapter. chapter. Yeah. Yep. I follow them. I, I follow a lot of great groups. There's um, Stewards of the Wild. There's uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Seems like a great... They do a lot of conservation work. Mm-hmm. They do like boots on the ground, like going down to do marsh restoration on the Texas coast and a lot of cool stuff. Lots, uh, lots of ways to get your hands dirty. Oh yeah. And like just volunteering is just good in general. Right. You know? um, um, and the good part is if you don't have time to volunteer, you're other you're ways. Other ways. Yep. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we often don't talk about is the social aspect of this stuff. Okay. You know, like the people you meet, like they're just quite wonderful people from all over, yeah. everywhere. Here, here we are now at the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit. Yeah. And a lot of my greatest memories in the outdoors um, are characterized by the people, you know, and like the experience itself, the camaraderie. Yep. Um, there's like so, like a whole list of things why hunting is so much fun. Yeah. So, for instance, with the women hunt, you take twelve strangers from all over North of America, and North America, best and we had a, a WhatsApp chat started before yeah. we even met each other. So when we hike it to San Antonio and meet at the Minger Hotel, it's all like we've known each other. That's and so cool. Twelve women in a room could go terribly wrong, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, catty or yeah. just don't get <laughs> along. But I, I can say none of us. Yeah. It, it was like family. The context of the situation helps with that a lot. It does help with y'all a are lot. You are all there to um, learn and pursue something that, I guess, for a lot of y'all, perhaps a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, or else y'all wouldn't be there, I guess. Yeah. You know, the Women Hunt Program is, you know, to learn, right? Right. But um, we've kept contact. We we keep our WhatsApp so cool. chat going, and we're celebrating each, each other's victories. And that's so cool. It's been pretty neat. Anybody um, do anything crazy since then? Harvested anything really cool? Or... It's been about a year now. Uh, October. Oh, October. Okay. okay. Not quite. One of the participants got a big cat. Oh, interesting. Can't, yeah. I saw the picture. I can't really remember what it was, but she was up in Canada. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the other ladies harvested something. A blacktail. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah blacktail. A blacktail. Yeah. She processed it at home and sent us videos stuff. and did all her sausage making like like chef taught do us do you plan to do that harvest your animals or uh, break them down yourself i them? i would love to i live in a teeny tiny apartment okay, with so no kitchen space limiting factors there there yeah. are limiting factors but i would have jumped all in yeah. i would have i would have done that yep that's another barrier for people that want to get into hunting they're like well i live in downtown houston like yeah how am i gonna like harvest i lived in downtown 
personally lived in downtown Houston for two years after high school. And like, I didn't really hunt a whole lot. No. I mean, I lived off of Maine and Leland. Right in downtown. Yeah. Like in this high rise apartment called Sky House. Yeah. And uh, it was like a cultural shock because I'm from like a small town. And uh, like, what am I going to do? Like tote my ducks into that place? (laughs) I mean, you could. (laughs) I I mean, get some weird looks. I did bring alligators there. I was trapping alligators at that time. I would have a live alligator in the parking garage in downtown Houston. That's awesome. Which is quite interesting. Um, speaking of you, you grew up in Houston. Do you ever, have you ever been to a crocodile encounter no. down in Angleton? No. You should check it out. It's a, I'll have to put that on my list. I, I worked there when I was living in Houston. Um, it's a it's a reptile park. Okay. But they got they got cool uh, antelope and stuff. Yeah. They got like eland and uh, they got b- bison now. Um, Interesting. Various. They got kangaroos. And I still I'm still involved with some of the like they do really great conservation. It's um, when I talk about conservation, it's always, you know, through the hunting lens, it's often very different because through, through the zoo lens, because I worked in zoos for a little bit, uh-huh. conservation for them is often dealing with species across the globe. You know, right. like, um, I worked with Chinese alligators, which are like, there's less than 200 left wow. and conservation for them is a lot different than conservation for our species here. Like sure. for those it's, it's like captive rearing and trying to make sure they don't like go extinct in captivity because there's only 200 left in the wild and. So like uh, there's like a lot of different uh, differences uh, with conservation. Um, Isn't it wild how it's all over the map, but all for the greater good? It's all for the greater good. And in, in the it. North American model, if it was implemented in other parts of the world, it could do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's I mean there's socioeconomic barriers and there's um, ideological mm-hmm. barrier. Like mm-hmm. you know, Australia has all the resources they could need to have like very sustainable hunting and they do some hunting but um there's like unfortunately there's an animal rights movement that's like it's really it's strong hold it's taking hold Australia. yeah like i just listened duck. to a blood origins podcast mm-hmm. about it especially with duck hunting i think yep um, which is rather unfortunate like ducks like they reproduce at a high rate like from the biologist's perspective it's like a very easy species to manage mm-hmm. sustainably mm-hmm. and uh, like a lot of waterfowl they're more abundant now than they ever were naturally because mm-hmm. they benefit from agriculture so much it's like hunting, hunting them is in fact good for the ducks and good for the ecosystems. And it gives, it creates a revenue stream for habitat conservation. So like, yeah, there's always, um, there's a lot of complicated parts of conservation. Right. Um, and you know, as, as you get more into it, you know, you've, you're already delving right in, you just learn more and more. Um, and a, but a lot of people focus on like the negative stuff that's occurring. I was gonna say, I feel like but outsiders, there's so much good, you know, happening. Yeah, people who may not be in touch with conservation, I feel like they cherry pick the information they want to hold mm-hmm. on to. Oh, they, they definitely do. Um, there, there is a straightforward path to um, living sustainably on this planet and being able to enjoy our resources. We just have to really um, believe in the the science science that our biologists are yeah. producing, and um, you know, always just have an open mind. And I think it's the most important. Yeah. You know. And as much as I dislike the social media monster, I think it's super important it's because very it's powerful. It's a very yeah. powerful way to get the message out. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. I, I wish I could just turn it off and never get on again. Yeah. I used to take breaks, from like two week breaks from social media. Now I can't because part of my job is running social media for hunting, uh, a duck hunting company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. duck call company. And so I have to, I have to stay on Instagram, but, um, I think it wears on your mental health over time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but, for uh, sure. I try, I try to treat it as, as just it's work. Don't, don't get emotional over, over it or don't 
sit on it for six hours a day. Right. You know, like you don't like set time aside to do social media stuff, but um, it is really valuable even just for, you know, your career, like, a, you know, as a, like a wildlife, someone that works in the wildlife industry. Most of my jobs came from like connections over Instagram. That's awesome. Pretty cool. And like, you know, send some connections my way. I'm ready for a career change. Oh yeah. Before I know it, you'll be uh, pursuing a degree in biology. Hey, (laughs) you're never too, never too old. Never too old. You don't actually, uh, I think a lot of people, um, they're concerned that they'll never be able to like make a valuable contribution to conservation if they don't get the degree. Mm -hmm. Like the degree is not necessary. It's like so much you can do. Yeah. Um, that doesn't require like a background in ecology or like wildlife management. Like most, like, before I ever even went to college, I was already working in the wildlife industry just by connecting with people like Chester. Yeah. And, like through social media. I just have, right. Yeah. Social media is extremely valuable for connecting with people. Um, I guess you, you already realize that. So yeah. It's great. also intimidating. I was intimidated to come here. Yeah. I mean. To the summit. For, yeah. For sure. I, I was too. Like when I first got invited, <laughs> Chester was like, hey, you come to the summit. I'm like, I just like got myself so hyped up. I'm like, everybody there is me like so dialed in on, on what they do like the media stuff and yeah. podcasting and i'm just a dude bumbling through life and that like bought podcasting shit and uh just because i'm curious and like to ask questions but i don't really know what i'm doing yeah and, um my imposter syndrome was at its peak but uh, um same i hate to admit it but it was i was reading bios and i said thinking to myself i even text chester i said are you sure people are going to want to interview me do i have anything to contribute will it be good yeah. do i know what i'm talking about yeah heck yeah i do yeah you do i do We've had a great discussion here. Um, is there anything um, that you want to talk about, like with um, anything we miss with Women Hunt, and, uh, or, um, or for people that might want to get um, involved with it? I would say applications will open up in May. Okay, so it's, it's, it's once a year, right? It's once a year. Okay, so it's, twelve it's, women are picked. It's pretty. It's tough, I guess. Probably a lot of. A few applicants. I think we had maybe 80 Okay, so it's in 22. So it's the second year they've done okay. it. Um, 23 this year will be the, the third year. You will feel intimidated if, mm-hmm. if you're anything like me. You'll feel intimidated. Like, I don't qualify. But there's no starting point they're looking at. They We ran the gamut from one end of the extremes to the other as far as um, experience and knowledge. Right. And there were PhDs and... <laughs> biology students and you know regular girls like me who have (laughs) bartended or gone all over the map with things how did you discover women hunt by the way i got an email from the wild sheep foundation because i signed Uh, up to be a member with a dual membership between wild sheep foundation and texas bighorn society stemmed from your experience with the the outfitters Mm -hmm. yeah it's weird how life works isn't it one thing leads to another like this podcast when you come to an event like this podcast summit you're bound to like make some connection that's going to lead to some cool someplace else. I'm ready for it. <laughs> but back on women hunt, um, if they're feeling intimidated or want a good start, that would be a good yeah. place apply. Cause you never know what's going to happen. I would be more than happy to talk to anybody. Right. I would be more than happy if they're comfortable with a brand new <laughs> hunter conservationist, I would, I'd be open to conversations yeah. or hanging out or connections for, for people that, you know, may not be able to do the women hunt thing or, you know, even if they apply, they might not get in. Right. Do you have any encouraging words for women that um, want to get into hunting? I would say find a mentor that you trust. Mm -hmm. There are lots of resources out there from what I've heard that there are 
people who will match you with somebody or find an organization that you find passion in, research it, sign up, attend events. There's, like we've talked about, it's so much more than hunting. Yeah, it's people. Get out and connect with people. Connect. And it's very comfortable to stay comfortable. Yeah, That's, it is. It's a nice spot for me, but you don't get anywhere. If Renee had never gone and found an interest in becoming a late onset hunter, because she didn't start hunting like we talked about till her 40s, yeah. uh, had she not gone out of her comfort zone, met people, talked to the right people, started the program, I would have never had this opportunity. Right. So I keep that in my mind, like, get uncomfortable. Yeah. One thing. Get uncomfortable, but, like, have fun, too. Oh, you know? have fun. Like, it's all yeah, fun. Yeah. It's just... I can't tell you how much fun I've had. Conservation gets it gets serious from like a policy perspective, and like there's there are serious topics. Like I, I'm deeply concerned about Texas ecosystems and our, you know, in the next fifty years, our population's supposed to double. And yes, and I just watch Deep in the Heart film. I haven't yet. You know, it's on it. my to watch uh, list. I, I was very lucky to uh, be involved with that. Um, very small involvement, but um, I've become friends with the producer who's also a hunter. That's and, awesome. Uh, there's definitely, you know, pro hunting stuff in deep in the heart, which is great. But yeah, definitely watch it. But, um, yeah, in the film, you know, you, in the beginning, you get the sense that it's, you know, it is rather depressing right. the relationship with wildlife, especially, you know, a hundred years ago was really bad and it's gotten a lot better, but now we have unique challenges going forward. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, energy developments across the state from wind, to oil and gas to solar, like solar farms going in on coastal prairies and um, all these challenges and people moving to the state from the west and the east and um, it can be rather depressing but uh, I, I remain optimistic you know the nature conservancy buys a lot of land and there's a growing movement of hunters and mm-hmm. there's more women getting into hunting right. which is just going to have just a, a positive domino effect on conservation you know? yeah it's all interconnected so so pick something yeah pick something go for it and uh, you never know where your ties lead and use use social media to connect Yes, um, I'm big. Do you want to add your social media? Is that something that do you? Yeah, do I'm. I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. She's like Texas dot cat k a t. Easy enough. Mm-hmm. Any other ending messages here? Uh, follow Women Hunt. Okay. It's Women underscore Hunt, I believe, on Instagram, and there's a good YouTube channel. Okay. With with information, and then of course WildSheepFoundation.org. Very good. Thank you so much, Cat. Yeah. Thank Linda you. Right there. <laughs>